Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 50. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. Mark chapter 13 contains a long discourse by Jesus regarding the signs of the end times. His words come as a warning. Be careful that no one deceives you. Chapter 13, verse 5. Don't be alarmed at reports of wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7. Be on your guard. Verse 9. Learn this lesson from the fig tree, Jesus said. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Verse 28. Keep watch. Mark chapter 13, verse 35. The chapter ends with the parable of a man going on a long journey and giving his servants their assigned tasks and telling them to keep watch. Jesus had been telling his disciples to keep watch, to remain alert, or else the master might come suddenly and find them sleeping. The parable ends with an emphatic watch. Verse 37. As we move back into Mark chapter 14 for today's lesson, we find that the Passover meal where Jesus changed all the traditional imagery of the meal to point to his very soon suffering and death had concluded. Leaving the upper room, Jesus took his disciples to the Mount of Olives to a place called Gethsemane in order to pray. The word Gethsemane means oil press a needed utility in an olive orchard to squeeze oil out of olives. Matthew, Mark, and Luke refer to the place where Jesus agonized in prayer simply as Gethsemane. John referred to the place as the Garden of Gethsemane. What occurred in this garden where olives were pressed was the darkest night Jesus encountered on this earth. No one has ever lived closer to the Father than the Son, Jesus Christ. No one except Jesus was perfect in obedience. No one ever listened more carefully and walked more intentionally in line with God than the Son did, Jesus. But there was this dark night when Jesus agonized in prayer to his Father. Let me just say, as we begin this lesson, that God never promised his people that life on this side of heaven would be easy. Maybe, just maybe, there's comfort and encouragement to us that Jesus endured this night, showing us, teaching us what is possible for humanity if we live in a right relationship with the Father. With that background, 
Let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 50. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12 appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Our passage, as our passage begins, Jesus instructed his disciples to sit while Jesus went away to pray. Jesus often prayed alone. Mark recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The, the night in Gethsemane, was different. Jesus didn't want to pray alone. He needed the support of his closest friends. So we read in Mark chapter 14, verse 33, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John deeper into the garden with him. On two other occasions in Mark's gospel, Jesus had selected Peter, James, and John, who some call the inner circle, to accompany him uh, during this, a special mo moment. These three witnessed Jesus' life-giving power when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter back to life in Mark chapter 5, 
verses 37 to 43. They alone also watched in wonder as Jesus was transformed in glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. Now, Jesus brought them along to watch and support him as he agonized in prayer during the longest and most difficult night of his life. Can you imagine these three disciples watching Jesus, the Messiah, the miracle worker, become deeply distressed and troubled? Jesus spoke to his inner circle, recorded in verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. These words are almost an echo of what is referred to as the lament psalms. Psalm 42 verse 5 says, why, my soul, are, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? It would be good for us to remember that Jesus had previously predicted his suffering and death in Jerusalem on many occasions. This was no surprise to him. Each time before, Jesus seemed to speak of his impending arrest and death with no indication of emotional distress. But here we are, the night before the cross, and Jesus' soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Sometimes we're aware that something hard is coming, maybe a medical diagnosis, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job. We can anticipate such a trial with seriousness, but when the moment arrives, wham, overwhelming sorrow. Consider how Jesus had been through such pain and sorrow. This moment in the Garden of Gethsemane demonstrates more than any other place the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Theologians uh, through the centuries have referred to Jesus as the God-man. Christians have affirmed and believed that Jesus was both God and man. That is 100% God, and at the same time, 100% man. These two natures, both divine and human, are a basic assertion of the Christian faith. In the ancient Mediterranean, it was not particularly controversial to claim that a human did divine activity, or even experienced a divine appearance. Far more controversial, however, was the claim that God had become human in the person of Jesus Christ. While the affirmation of Jesus' humanity and divinity was common in the early centuries of the church from the New Testament forward, theologians like Irenaeus, from the late 2nd century AD, Athanasius from the middle 4th century AD, and Cyril from the 5th century AD, attempted to explain in words the unity of the divinity and humanity of Christ. As they debated heresies of their day, these theologians discovered that to downplay either Christ's divinity or his humanity would also naturally downplay the salvation that God made possible through Christ. In other words, if Jesus was not fully God, there was no way he could restore sinful humanity all the way to the Father. And if Jesus was not fully human, 
there was no way he could represent sinful humanity perfectly before the Father. There's also something more beyond theology here for us today. Jesus, in his full humanity, suffered in agony that night in Gethsemane. Jesus' victory over sin and death would soon be won through his resurrection, but another victory was won by Jesus in the garden, a victory of following the will of God even in the darkest of times. Jesus wrestled in prayer to embrace the will of the Father, showing us what is possible if we are fully dependent upon God in our lives. And take heart, God revealed in Jesus will not ask you or me to be something more or less than human. We need not pretend to be superhuman. We do not need to trim off parts of life because we think they are too messy, too mundane, or too painful for God. In Jesus, God is already there. He's with you in your darkest hour. As we return to Mark chapter 14, verse 34, Jesus said to his inner circle of three, stay here and keep watch. There is that instruction again. It had fulfilled Jesus' words in Mark 13 and came back around to Peter, James, and John here in the garden. Keep watch. Don't sleep. How would the disciples respond to Jesus' instruction in these last days? We're about to find out. Jesus walked a little farther into the Garden of Gethsemane, and verse 35 says, he fell to the ground and prayed. It was customary for Jews to stand with their arms stretched toward heaven when they prayed. Here Jesus fell to the ground. His prayer was simple. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Abba was an Aramaic word, the very personal and intimate name for father. Although Abba was not commonly used in Jewish prayers, Jesus made it his regular way of addressing God, so much so that it survived the Greek translation of the New Testament and became a powerful word in the prayers of early Christians. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus' prayer said three basic things. First, he affirmed his full trust that everything is possible for God. Second, Jesus asked God to take this cup from him. Cup can refer to suffering and death. Mark chapter 10, verse 38 says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? It was referring to his suffering and death. But it can also refer to God's wrath and judgment on sin. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 17 says, awake, awake, rise up Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, 
you who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger? By drinking the cup, Jesus innocently experienced both the suffering and death and also the wrath of God and the judgment for the sins of all humanity. And third, in his short little prayer, Jesus surrendered to the will of the Father when he said, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus modeled for all time that the essence of being a Christian is to face difficult situations while choosing to do the will of God. In Mark chapter 14, verses 37 to 42, we find two actions, each of which are repeated three times. Three times, Jesus went a little distance away from Peter, James, and John to pray alone. And three times, he returned to his three disciples and found them asleep. In biblical imagery, when something happens three times, it indicates that it is not incidental or accidental. This was obviously a pattern for the disciples. Jesus had called them to watch and pray. They did not understand the seriousness of the time and were not ready to follow Jesus to the end. Peter, just moments before, had declared that he would never fall away. Jesus asked him, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Verse 37. We are reminded that the key to overcoming times of weak flesh is not found in boastful claims or confident expressions of faith, but in watchful prayer. That's how we overcome weak flesh. I'm challenged by the words of Jesus in Mark 14, verse 38. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This was not a temptation to fall asleep. Jesus wasn't upset by their tiredness. The temptation the disciples fell into was the denial of Jesus and the falling away from the will of God because they were not watching spiritually. The contrast between the slothful actions of Jesus' disciples and the bold, courageous obedience of Jesus is so evident. As his betrayer drew near, Jesus would not try to escape his captors or to fight back with violence. His will was conformed to God's will. The decision to go to this horrific death had already been made. Jesus was fully in. Jesus said in verse 42, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The leader of the arresting mob was Judas, one of the 12. Just as Jesus had foretold at the Passover meal, one of his own betrayed him. With painful irony, Judas addressed Jesus with the title rabbi, which was an esteemed name for a respected teacher. Furthermore, Judas greeted Jesus with a kiss, which was often a sign of warm affection between a disciple and his teacher. You see, with brazen hypocrisy, Jesus, Judas denigrated these gestures of love and respect into signs of betrayal and death. With Judas 
was a crowd armed with swords and clubs. Only the Gospel of John records that Roman soldiers were in the crowd. Noteworthy is the fact that they came in the darkness of night and they came with weapons. What developed quickly was a fight, a battle. Mark recorded that someone standing near Jesus drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear, verse 47. Jesus immediately stopped the fighting. John recorded that the servant's name was Malchus, according to John chapter 18, verse 10. Luke recorded that Jesus healed the servant's ear, Luke chapter 22, verse 51. I can only imagine Malchus returning to Caiaphas's home with blood on his robe, but with a completely healed ear. I've often wondered why John mentioned Malchus's name. Maybe Malchus became a follower of Jesus and was later part of the early church. I can tell you this, I'll be watching for Malchus one day when I enter heaven. Jesus rebuked the crowd who came armed for battle. The way of humanity is to use swords and clubs, violent force and instruments of death as an act of domination to resolve conflict, establish kingdoms, and even sometimes to safeguard the future of a religious establishment. There's no question that Jesus was a revolutionary, but his revolution was not an armed rebellion. Jesus reminded the crowd, every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, verse 49. Our passage ends with the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy from Mark 14, 27, when Jesus said to the 12, you will all fall away. Mark 14, verse 50 says, then everyone deserted him and fled. Jesus chose to spend the closing hours of his life on earth in communion with his friends who would soon desert him and in prayer with his father, who is eternally faithful. That decision speaks to his priorities and his purpose on this earth. Jesus was committed to obediently follow the will of the Father, whom he loved so deeply. He was also committed to his purpose, dying for the sins of the broken people of this world, whom he also loved to the end. This is the story of the God-man. Jesus Christ. He came as the Son of Man to do what sinful man could not do, reconcile us to the Father. And he came as God to do what only God could do, defeat sin, the devil, and death through the resurrection of his Son, Jesus. Oh, Gethsemane was so very dark, but what love for you and me. What hope Jesus has given to us through his agony in the garden. Do you know his love this season as we approach Resurrection Sunday? Receive him. Know him. Learn of him. Trust him. And follow him today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. 
you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.